listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Shout amen. Come on, give someone a high five and say, looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good, looking good. Over this next month, just really excited about what we're going to be covering. I just really believe we're going to be covering some incredible ground because we're going to be answering a question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? And I think, obviously, it's something that we all need to know. It's something that we definitely need to live, and it's definitely something we need to believe. Can I have an amen for at least one of those? We need to know it, we need to live it, and we need to believe it, because many of us are not acting right. Come on, let's just say it as it is. Many of us are not acting the right way. We're acting a way, but we're not acting the way. Look what the scripture says in John 14, 6. Jesus says these words very clearly. He says this, I am... The way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Notice he didn't say I am a way. He didn't say I am a truth. I am a life. He says I am the, very specific. If you were to look here, we have a number of doors that you could leave or enter this sanctuary by. So it would almost like be Jesus, not saying, but Jesus is specific and he's saying there is a way. So he's saying you need to come through the door, that door, not just a door. So what do we see? Jesus is very specific. And I really believe that God has a specific way for us as Christians to live. I believe that we should act in such a way that we would have characteristics of being a Christian. And I believe they're required by God in order for us to live the life that He has. Why? Because when we have godly characteristics, it makes us more Christ-like, therefore making us a Christian. I remember the story many years ago, a little kid who had gone to Sunday school. He was brought up in church, but one particular day in Sunday school, the teacher was talking about a Christian. It puzzled the little boy. He had never heard that term before, so he didn't really know what it meant. So on his way home in the car, he said to his dad, Dad, what does it mean to be a Christian? His dad was kind of shocked initially because he thought, man, surely he knows. We, we're Christians. That's what's going through his mind. So he begins to tell the little boy what a Christian is. It's someone who goes to church. It's someone who loves God. It's someone who pays their tithes. It's someone who worships God. It's someone who's kind. It's someone who's compassionate. It's someone who's giving. Someone who's loving. The dad thinks he is just covering every base and he's doing a great job. And when the dad finishes, he expects the little boy to say thank you. But yet the little boy says to his dad, have I ever met one of those? Think about that. Churchgoers going to church every week, 
The dad given every characteristic of what a Christian is, but yet the child says, Dad, have I ever met one of those? It's a sad reality. But I wonder if someone who works with us has ever met one of those. I wonder if someone we live with in our home, with our family, I wonder if they've ever met a real Christian. And that's why it's important that we become everything that God wants us to be. So listen, so He can be everything He needs to be in someone else's life. God chose one means to evangelize this world. And that choice is you. That choice is me. God shows us to be His hands and feet, to touch this world, to evangelize the gospel. And if we're not right, they're not going to get it right. And if they don't get it right, it's not going to be all right. It's going to be all wrong. And it starts with us. So what does it mean to be a Christian? If being a Christian is what most people today who confess to be a Christian say it is, I want to be first to go on record saying, I don't want that. Isn't it sad that we can look at other Christians, even our own lives, and people look at us and say, if that's what a Christian is all about, I don't want that. We should live such an attractive, full, blessed, fulfilled life that we should create such a thirst and a hunger and a desire in everyone around us that would say, what's up with you, Atari? You're different. What is it about you, Leslie? Uh, I just don't know, Rodney. I know how you were, but something's happened in your life. That should be the testimony. And I pray by the end of this month, that's going to be the testimony of every one of us that we'll walk into our workplaces different, that we'll walk into the mall different, we'll go to Walmart different, we'll live a different life at the ball fields and everywhere. Why? Because we're not living one life here, one life there. We're living the life, the way, the truth, the life that we are being a Christian. It's no wonder many people don't want to come to church. You know what keeps people away from church? Church Churchgoers. Christians. Hypocrites. What? Yeah, hypocrites. (laughs) Don't look around you too far. Because the last time I checked, the mirror is looking right back at you. And we need to examine... Our lives, we need to look because it's got to change. It has to change. Here's some what it's not. I I thought it would be good to start what a Christian is not. Here's some what a Christian is not. A Christian is not a title or a position. Well, I'm a Christian. I've got a name badge. It says I'm a Christian. I've got a Christian t-shirt. I'm a Christian. It's not a title or a position. You don't one day arrive at being a Christian. Being a Christian is a new way of living. It's not a title or position, it's a new life. It's, an, it's a lifestyle that we need to be a part of, that others, as I said, should see. Here's another thing that being a Christian is not. It's not just someone who goes to church. amazing thing about church, and I've often said this, it's not church that saves you, but church sure helps keep you saved. 
It's Jesus that saves you. That's where you find life. But you can get gain godly instruction and wisdom. And it helps keeping you on the straight and narrow. It helps keeping you saved when you're in church. But just someone who goes to church doesn't mean you're a Christian. When we stand before God one day, He's going to ask us to give an account for our life. And the Bible says He's going to open a book. And in that book is going to be every name of those who have given their life to Him. And if your name is not in the book, we're going to be sent to hell. But those who are in the book... Is going to be there. And the book is those who have committed their life to Christ, not those who have signed a membership at the church. Oh, you went to church for seven years. You're in. It's absolutely amazing. I was just talking to someone in my office right now. Their dad came to church for the first time with them in Easter to this church. Her dad has been a part of church for years, was the head usher in church, served, did everything in church. But can I tell you, about four weeks ago, on a Sunday morning, he responded right here for the first time in his life. And this is someone who's in his 60s. And he responded for the first time in his life to make a public declaration to give his life to Christ. But yet he had been in church serving as a head usher and doing everything that was expected of him in church, but never had a personal experience with God. Scary, isn't it? Being a Christian is not just going to church, but I believe Christians go to church. Can I say amen in the house? Being a Christian doesn't make you perfect. Oh, I'm glad about that. If you're not going to say amen, I'm going to say amen, because if it meant I had to be perfect, I'm out. I can't do it. I've messed up today. Anyone of you messed up today? You bunch of holy bunch. Thank you, Rich. He's a, he's a heathen with me. Come on. If it meant we had to be perfect... We would none of us make it. But it's not been perfect. But what is it? It's striving each and every day to be more like Christ. And to allowing Him to just knock off the rough edges. To clean up our vocabulary. To change our attitudes. Each and every day, it's a process. It's a progress that we're on. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to break it down. We're going to explain it piece. By peace. I want you to make a commitment both Sunday and Wednesday. I think Sundays and Wednesdays are great. I, I get so excited when I can be in church with each and every one of you. And tonight we're going to lay the foundation. So those who aren't here tonight and they're just coming on Sunday, they're going to have to play catch up. Because we're the super spiritual ones. Amen. Come on, look at someone say, you, you're really spirit. We're in church on Wednesday. But we're going to call you to a life of action because that's what a Christian is called to do. It's about doing, it's about being, and it's about... Living. It's about something taking place inside of you that begins to change what's on the outside. The outside can't change the inside. But the inside can change the outside. Look at the scripture from Philippians 1 verse 6. Philippians 1 verse 6. And incidentally, while you're turning there, let me just thank each and every one of you for your kind birthday wishes. Those of you who sent them to me, I really appreciate that. And... Um, for those of you who don't know, I had my birthday on Monday, so you can wish me a happy birthday now. That's all good. Uh, old man, 44 years old. Can you believe that? One year away from being halfway to 90. That's really old, isn't it? But it's really good. Where were we? Philippians 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he, notice capitalized, he, Jesus, who has begun a good work, where? In you, God has begun a good work in you. What is the promise? He will complete it until the day 
of Jesus Christ. In other words, we're not perfect, but what is God doing in us each and every day? He's completing us. He's helping me to be a better husband every day, to be a better father, to be a better person. He's helping you to be a better employer or employee. He's helping you with your attitude each and every day. And I'm so glad that every one of us are a work in progress. Oh, salvation is immediate. But there's what's known as sanctification. That's when God cleans us up and changes us. That's the process that maybe can take a while in our lives. But really the question is this. Are we making progress? Are you making progress? Are you further along than when you were Sunday? Are you further along? I was just talking with someone, you know, and, and they were talking about some struggles that they had in their life. And every day they battled with this struggle and how God had set them free. But they found themselves stumbling a few times. And they said, man, I feel so bad. I said, hold on a second. Don't feel bad for stumbling a few times in almost a year. Remember how you were last year. You stumbled every day and didn't even care about it. Good job. We all make mistakes and fail, but it's not in falling that's the problem. It's in staying down. And realize we're all in a process, but are we making progress? Because I want to tell you something right now. And you know me by now if you've been around me for a while. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I can't stand here behind a pulpit and tell you if you're living wrong, everything's going to be okay. Because I'm telling you right now, if you're not making progress in your life, if your life is not going somewhere, if you're not being changed and you're not being transformed, you need to go back to the cross. You need to go back to that salvation experience because the last time I checked and I read in the Bible, anyone who encountered God left changed. Oh, there were still some things that had to take place, but there was a transformation that took place and something began to become alive and anew inside of them. If that hasn't happened to you, you need to come back to Christ. You need to ask Him into your life. So we're going to explain Christian first. We're going to look at the meaning, the origin of where the term actually even came from. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 11, or you can follow on the screen. Acts 11, 25, 26. Acts is a great book. We see in Acts chapter 1, God promises them His Holy Spirit. Jesus ascends up into heaven. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the promise comes. God fills them with the Holy Spirit. Church begins to grow. Church begins to multiply. Chapter 3, we see signs and wonders and miracles. And then chapter 4. Wouldn't it be great if you could just live in 1, 2, and 3? Because in chapter 4, there's opposition. There's struggles. There's persecutions. There's just things happening. But even with the struggles, the oppositions, and just everything that's taken place, there is still multiplication. The church is still growing. So there's a lot that's happening, both good and bad. So by the time we get to chapter 11, we're really into this. But look what it says in Acts 11, 25 and 26. It says this, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. Saul, he's the one that was persecuting the Christians. He's the one that had an experience with God on a road to Damascus. 
God knocks him off of his donkey to the ground. Says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting against me? I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life. Saul surrendered to God at that moment. Blindness came upon him. Three days later, Ananias comes and lays hands on him and prays for him. Paul's eyes are open. He sees, or Saul's eyes are open. God completely changes him so much that God even changes his name from Saul to Paul. But now, because he's a threat, because he used to try to kill people, now the ones he worked for, they want to kill him. So where has Paul been? They put him back to his hometown for his own safety. And what we know is he's perhaps been in Tarsus for maybe several years up to this time. But now Barnabas is going and he's hunting them down. Why? Because he says, we need help because so many people are getting saved. Revival is happening Paul, we need you to come and help us. Look what it says. And when he had found Paul, he brought him to Antioch. That was the place where everyone was being saved and lives were being touched and people were being changed. And so it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and they taught a great many people. And the disciples or followers were first called Christians in Antioch. Literally, Christ ones. Christian, a Christ one. Not to be redundant, but I just want you to make sure that you understand where they are called this, what is happening all around them, because you need to see this, because I believe it's so important. They are suffering great persecution. It's not just like, hey, if you don't talk, if, if you don't stop talking about Jesus, I'm going to unfriend you on Facebook. That's not the persecution we're talking about. For some of you, that just rocks your world. They unfriend them. For some of you, that's all you live by, to see how many friends and how many likes and how many hits you have on your stuff. And oh man, I can't. that's not the persecution. The persecution we're talking about is at best imprisonment and at worst death. And in between that, you were probably beaten. So the persecution they were facing was real. Their lives were threatened. Their families were threatened. Everything they had was taken. Their lives were taken from them. They were in prison. It wasn't good. But yet, what do we see? Even through the greatest persecution and the greatest suffering, the Word of God endured. And it didn't even make it through. The church grew. The church was growing. The greater the persecution and the opposition, the greater the church grew and grew and grew. What else do we know? These are a committed bunch of people. The people we read of in Antioch, it says for one year they met and they were taught by Paul and they were taught by Barnabas. Think about making that commitment for a whole year. That any time they had church, any time they had teaching, I'm there. It wasn't just a five-minute wonder. Their lives were threatened every time they went to church, but still they went through the persecution. What a commitment they had. Why? Because they were so hungry. They were so willing to learn. They wanted to get everything they could. So through the persecution and through the commitment, something was noticed in each and every one of their lives. And that something that was noticed was a distinguishing factor. Because people began to notice That the only thing that they had versus anyone else in common was they had Christ. 
Something was different about them. It was Christ. And that difference identified them to Christ. And as a result of that, people looked at them and gave them the name. Look at them. They're like a load of little Christs. They're like little Jesuses running around. They're those Christ ones that became the word Christian. Actually, the Greek word is Christanios. Christanios, which means a Jesus person. Okay, pastor, why is this important? I'm telling you why it's important, because you've got to understand this. The title of Christian was first given as an insult. It was as a mockery. It was as making fun of who they were and what they were. It was an insult. But I want you to know something. What was an insult and meant by man to be an insult? ended up to be the greatest compliment. Because I pray of everyone who comes in contact with me, they may laugh and say, look at you, you Jesus freak. That's the new Christian that they're calling us. You freak, you're this. But you know what? What may be that to attack me, I pray will be that which will save them. That will touch them. That will change their life that will give them fuel to think that when they're laughing and when they make... Remember this, when someone's making fun of you and they're laughing at you, they have to think what they're doing to make a response to what you have said. And even though you don't like the initial response, because no one likes to be laughed at, no one likes to be chastised, no one likes to be cut down. But remember this, I'm thankful that there is a response because a response is better than no response. Because a response means that they've heard something. And what is the promise from the word of God if you don't know it? Here it is. God says, my word will not return void. So you speak and live the word of God. And the greatest gospel that you can preach is in the way that you live. The greatest gospel that you and I could share to this world is not with words. But it's with actions and attitudes of our life. I believe our words and action, our words rather, should back up the action of our life. Not our actions should back up our words. Francis Assisi said these words. He said, preach the gospel by any means possible. And if needed, use words. Let me say that again. Preach the gospel by any means possible. And if needed, use words. Oh, look at you, you bunch of Christians. An insult that became the greatest compliment. The Christians of that day, they didn't allow race. They didn't allow culture. They didn't even allow language to divide them. They had one thing in common, and that was Christ. And because of that unity, because of that one, because of that example, because of the life they lived, people saw Christ in them. You little Christ. When I read that, it always touches me. And it touches me for this reason. Because I ask myself, do I really deserve to be given the title of a Christian. The people who got that title 
gave their life so that you and I today can still live that. So every day when I think that my life is called to be a Christian, wouldn't we be best served to realize that the title of even what we call ourselves came at a great cost to so many people? And we know it definitely came at the cost of one because Jesus gave everything as he hung upon a cross and died so that you and I can live. I want to do everything within my power to give honor to those who gave their lives. I want to do everything within my power to give honor to the one who gave his life for me. That when I live a Christian life, not just wearing the badge, not just going to church, not thinking I have to be perfect, but that when I live that life, that I can be pleasing to God and I can be everything that God wants me to be. The scripture, Genesis 1.26, look what it says. Then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So what do we see from the beginning of time? Man was made to look like God. God said, let's make man in my image. So we were created to look like God. But God didn't just finish there. God didn't say, I just want you to look like me. God says, also, I want you to be like me. I want you to act like me. I want you to be like me. It didn't take Satan long to mess that up. And Satan's still messing up today in our lives, in the way we live, in the way we talk, in the way we act. Have you ever stopped to think what's happened to us and what God originally made us and but where we find ourselves today? And I don't say that to make you feel unworthy. I don't make or say that to discourage you tonight. But I say those things to identify the fact of where we need to get back to. That we need to be in the image and likeness of Christ. We know due to sin, we see his image is depleting. We see his likeness has been destroyed. But I'm so glad that sin does not have the last say. The Bible says sin doesn't have to have dominion over you. It better not have the last say, because if sin has the last say, we know what Satan's purpose and plan is, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what you'll get. But I'm so glad sin doesn't have the last say, but God can have the last say. And he says, I've come to give you life, and life more abundantly. I've come for you to be in my image and in my likeness, and to live the fullness of life that I have come. Jesus came and lived and died so that once again we can possess that likeness. And we can believe that he will restore that image each and every day. I believe this, and you, you can say you're crazy. I believe as Christians, we should be the best looking people around. Amen. I believe as Christians, we should be the happiest people around. I, I believe as Christians, we should be the most healthy people. We should be the most fulfilled people. I, I mean, people say to me all the time, wow, you look young for your age. And I say, thank you. But you know what I say to most people? I say to most people, you know what it is? It's good living. It's living for God. It keeps you young. It keeps you fresh. It keeps you alive. And there's great results that come as a result of living right. So, Pastor, you've talked about it. You've talked around it. What does it really mean to be a Christian? Can I tell you from God's Word? 
And this is what we're going to study over the next few weeks. It comes from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and beginning in verse 9. Many of us know Romans 12, 1 and 2. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable. Don't be conformed to this world. A lot of us know that, but what we've got to get in the habit of doing is not just reading what we know. We've got to read and keep reading and keep discovering new things. And, and in my Bibles today, I looked at it and the title for Romans 12 is this, Living Sacrificed to God. Living Sacrifice to God. My New Living Translation Bible says this, personal responsibility. But look what it says in verse 9. And this is what it means to be a Christian. It says, love, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What you've just read there is what is entitled Behaving Like a Christian. What we've just read there is the characteristics of what we need to be. And we can listen to that and we can hear that. And I know when I read that, I'm like, oh man, I've got a long way to go in some areas. But you know how we're going to progress? Taking one step at a time. One day at a time. One moment at a time. And thanking God for His grace and mercy along the way that will give us the help and the grace and the strength that we need. I want to read that passage one more time tonight, but this time I want to read it from the Message Bible. Is that okay? I think it really breaks it down in a great way. And as I read this tonight, here's what I want to entitle this passage of Scripture. How you and I need to live. How you and I need to live. This is what a Christian is. Love from the very center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on to dear life for good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing the second fiddle. Don't burn out. 
Keep yourself fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the Master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy. And share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scripture tells us that if we see your enemy hungry, go that buy that person lunch. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. Because your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. But get the best of evil by doing good. That is a Christian. That can be each and every one of our lives. If we'll just submit to it, if we'll just surrender to it, and we will yield our lives. Because what we're going to discover, I believe, over the next few weeks is this. A new understanding. But it's going to be an understanding that we're going to implement into a new way of living. So that we can be the Christ one. The Jesus people. That this world so desperately needs. And the same God who changed our lives. We can share that God to other people around so he can change their life. Can you stand to your feet all over this place? would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.